And you're listening to Just Gooey Things. Second day in a row. It just freezes, and then I don't know when it's going to start recording, so I have to prepare <laughs> myself, and then it just, you see the red, and I'm like, oh shit, I gotta go! <laughs> Hi, Boo Things, and welcome back to Just Ghoulie Things, the quarantine spooky story special, episode 27, and we are your beautiful hosts, Rebecca and Lily. Hey! So we have some interesting stories for you. Lily, are you a short or long today? Um, I, mine are pretty even. I, okay. they're, they're I a good, so. you know. Okay, good. So we got some good, we got some good size stories today for you. Yeah. Uh, Lily, take it away. All right. This one is called an old man who was, an old man who was never there held my hand while I was on the verge of dying. Oh. oh. Yeah. We're starting strong today. I just remembered this story and I thought it was worth sharing. I'm a longtime worker, first time poster, English is not my first language, yada yada yada. Okay. In twenty seventeen, I almost died of tuberculosis. I was wrongly diagnosed with pneumonia for weeks, which resulted in lack of treatment for the real problem. I remember feeling my strength going away and my body giving up. I truly felt like I was dying and to my surprise I was at peace with it. I was laying in my bed thinking about my life and if I had any regrets because I simply knew I wouldn't see the end of that week. When my mom got home from work and saw how weak I was, she rushed me to the third hospital to see the fifth doctor in less than three weeks, hoping this time they would find out what was really wrong with me. I can't imagine how it was for her to see her daughter dying in front of her, but it must have been devastating. Turned out this new doctor finally looked in the at the right place and made the right diagnosis and put me on isolation and heavy medication immediately. He later told me this saved my life. And if my mom had waited until the next day to bring me to that hospital, I wouldn't have made it. And he, and the, the night he committed me, he wasn't even sure I would make it that night. Wow. And that's where my old man makes his appearance. I had just been installed in my room and was in that confused state where you keep losing and regaining consciousness when you're really sick and feverish. But I remember being almost completely awake in the middle of the night when my mom was at home taking a shower and picking some things that we would need while in the hospital. So I, so for a fact, I was, I know for a fact I was alone at that time since my mom was the only one allowed to be in the same room as me because, you know, tuberculosis. <laughs> I remember looking through the window at my right side and being thankful for the breeze that was coming in through a breach when I felt a warm hand squeezing my left hand. When I looked at my left side, I couldn't really see who was there since the room was in complete darkness, except for the weak moonlight coming through the window. But I could see the silhouette of a man sitting in the chair by my side. I know it was an old man because I could feel the texture of his skin. And in my feverish delusional state, I thought it was my grandfather, even though it couldn't be because my grandfather lives in another city and is really skinny. And his hand was old, but big and strong. So he just sat there holding my hand and comforting me, assuring me I would be all right and he would take care of me and not let me die. I felt this warm feeling in my chest. I felt so much love for that man and his own love embracing me. It was one of my most heartwarming moments of my life. I can't barely put this into words. He kept holding my hand and talking to me until I fell asleep. And when I woke up again, my mom was just arriving to be there with me. I may never know who that man is, but I love him like I would love a father or a grandfather. He felt so familiar. 
and made me feel so loved. It brings me to tears just writing this. I know for a fact that no one got into my room because I was in isolation due, the, due to the contagious bacteria I was fighting, and my room door was right in front of the nurse's desk, so there's no way anyone could pass through them. It was such a beautiful experience to live. I feel so grateful he was there for me, holding my hand while I was alone and afraid, even though I don't have any idea who he was. We see a lot of stories about bad and terrifying encounters here, so I thought it was worth it to share one that wasn't bad at all. The paranormal doesn't always have to be negative. Thank you all for reading this. Aw, that's so sweet. Isn't it, though? I think it was a guardian angel. Oh, definitely. Definitely. It could have been. It could have even been someone that had passed away in that same room that saw it was a younger person and was just like, you're going to get through this. It's okay. Maybe I didn't, but you will, you know? Yeah. Something sweet like that. Oh, that's a good story to start off on, Lil. All right. And uh, let's let's make the let's make the mood dark again. So um, this is titled <laughs> "I Just Wish I Could Find Anyone Familiar with This." Okay, so this is a bit out there and involves possible astral projection. So I looked up the exact definition of astral projection, and for mm-hmm. those that aren't familiar, um, it's also referred to as astral travel, and it's a term used in esotericism to describe an intentional out-of-body experience that assumes the existence of a soul or consciousness called an astral body that is separate from the physical body and capable of traveling outside it throughout the universe. And um, this idea of astral travel has, is ancient and occurs in multiple cultures um, and could be referred to different things. Um, but yeah, that's pretty much just an idea. It's an out-of-body experience where you're... you're consciousness is separate from your physical body and travels wherever so um okay so this happened when i was 18 or 19 my sister had apparently been astral projecting and being attacked as a result she would wake up with dark dark bruises that would be gone within an hour or two one time even waking up with bruises around her throat these should have taken weeks to heal but always vanished so quickly I remember I wanted to so desperately protect her, and then one night after I've gone to bed, I was out of my body. It's the one and only time I've ever projected, if that's what I ended up doing. I was in my living room asleep on the floor, my ex curled up by me. This is when it gets really scary. To this day, I remember it so vividly, and if I'm talking about it out loud, I still cry. I'm standing there, my body behind me, and I look towards the front door. This thing is there. It could have been a tall man. It had long, neat, blonde dreads. It looked so human, except the pitch black, sharp shark eyes and the sharp teeth that moved forward as it smiled at me. Um, The idea of how it looked was picture a shark going in for a bite. That's what its mouth freaking did. Oh, God. It stepped towards me, then rushed me, and I was snapped back to my body so fast I should have gotten whiplash. I just bolted up screaming, my head off. My ex and mom could not calm me down for a very long time. I've looked and never found answers to this experience. I just thought I would share and see what you guys thought. Um, so, yeah, and so then someone's like, uh, someone had, co- there was like a bunch of comments on this one, and mm-hmm. someone had said, it's the fear. I watched my father fight one when I was younger. We were tormented for a while until he had enough. He prayed for months, and one night had a physical altercation, and he ended up winning. Uh, 
I asked him about it years later. He said a nun told him to place holy water and a rosary at the foot of the bed. He woke up and saw the entity at the edge of the bed. He described it kind of like what you did, black eyes, boiled skin. At that point, he wasn't afraid, and my father attacked it. He said the thing had a look of terror on its face as he began to choke it. I had a similar event years after. I grabbed the thing in a state of half asleep, half awake. I would wake up sometimes unable to move, completely paralyzed, and I would feel something trying to choke me until I fought through it one day and was able to grab this thing, but I couldn't see it. I was just infuriated and just wanted to hurt it. It felt like it melted as I was hitting it. I've never been bothered by it again. So Wow. Yeah, so if you guys are having problems, apparently, according to a nun, depending on what religion you practice, holy water and rosary at the foot of your bed, and if you're in a state of, like, half asleep, half awake consciousness, Mm -hmm. you know, it seems that it feeds on fear rather than, like, if you're strong and you believe in your faith and you're confident in yourself and your abilities to, like, fight and win this thing, then you have the upper hand. So. Interesting. Yeah. So that's what, that's what I got from that story. Huh. Yeah. Yeah, that's scary. When when they described it as like a shark going in for a bite with all the teeth, that got me. The first time I've ever heard a, like a an entity having blonde dreads, though, that threw me off. I was like, yeah, yeah that threw me, too. I'm picturing like the hat man or something kind of classically spooky kooky ooky. This and seems like a very progressive. Yeah. I don't know. Blonde dreads. <laughs> okay. This is called, I saw something in my hospital room. All right. So I'm a week out of the hospital after spending two weeks in there with COVID-19 and pneumonia. Oh, God. I have a lot of serious health issues and barely survived my stay. But at the end of my stay, I was woken up at about 4 a.m. by the nurse coming in to give me more antibiotics and change my fluid drip. She left to get a new tube for the drip. And whilst she did that, I rolled over in my bed and saw an elderly man standing at the end of my bed with his hand on the bed at the bottom and he was looking out the window. Initially, I thought it was one of the elderly gents on the same ward wandering into my room again. It happened multiple times as they all had dementia or delirium. So I spoke to him and asked him if he was all right, but he didn't respond. So I buzzed for the nurse and she came back in a rush and the man vanished before my eyes. And I believe the nurse and I believe before the nurses too. Oh, okay, like b- before the nurse's eyes. And I believe before the nurses to us, she stopped and stared for a moment before shaking her head and continuing. I tried asking about it, but she kept telling me I must be dreaming. But every time she came back into my room and she looked at the spot where he had been. I'm not sure what I actually saw that night, and I didn't recognize the man at all. Why the fuck you lying? Why you always lying? <laughs> that nurse definitely saw something. I don't care. And I get it. As a nurse, you want to protect. Yeah, the nurse is a know. liar. Lies and slander. A lie, liar, pants for hire. Oh, wait, no, it was unspecial. Plants for hire. Plants for hire. But, um, okay, so your theme of the last two stories was hospitals. My yes. theme for, the, for my first two stories is apparently being in the bedroom because my next story is titled, What Was in My Son's Bed? Last night, Ooh, I like it. Mm-hmm, last night at 2 a.m., our youngest son, three years old, started crying, telling us his older brother, four years old, got into his bed and he wanted to sleep with us. We assumed he was telling the truth because our oldest son had fallen asleep in the living room and most likely walked to his bed where our youngest son was. Then my husband says he has a fever, so my youngest starts wailing, saying he's scared. 
My room is dark with no lights on, and I proceed to get fever medicine, and my oldest son sits up like he usually does when he's startled awake in his bed, and I assume it's him because of this. But he looked pitch black in the dark, not the usual dark gray or anything distinguishable. Oh, no. So, as I'm walking into the kitchen, I pass by the living room. Suddenly, I hear my oldest son cough from the living room. My heart stopped. I go back and slowly turn on the hallway light since it illuminates my son's bed. That I pass by a few seconds earlier, and it's empty. I go to the living room and turn on the light, and my son is where we had left him. My husband asks why I turned on the light, and I explain. We both just decided to leave the hallway light on and turn the TV on. What was that thing? A pitch black child-like being was in my son's bed, and it looked like him. My son was still asleep in the living room. Oh, boy. So then, uh, of course, I had to read the comments, and one of them was, the entity that took the form of shadow may have tricked your youngest son into thinking they were your oldest son that you might want to have a talk with your kids to find out how much they really are aware of. The next time you notice a figure in shadow form, try to refrain from turning on any electrical lights nearby them. If you need better illumination, try lighting a candle and look into the room. This way they are more likely to stick around, and you may get to chat. Which... (gasps) That's interesting. I never thought of that being, like, an option. Um, That's clever. I never even thought of that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Some people are like, oh, maybe it's just, like, hallucinations. But it's the mom isn't on this medication. Like, she was just getting the medication for her son who felt like they were hot from the fever. So, um, I don't know. That is just a weird situation. (laughs) <laughs> and everyone everyone's just saying yeah maybe maybe it's just the like the youngest son maybe had a fever but the mom was touching the son and realized he was warm so i don't i don't know that's just like a really weird story also it being a younger kid we've said it a million times here folks younger children are more susceptible to seeing the paranormal or they tend to be that's true that's true but i wonder what this thing was because i have a feeling it wasn't actually a ghost of a child i think it's something that like it it made itself into the form of their son to get to the youngest child or something yeah all right yeah, it doesn't sound good. It doesn't sound like that first story with the nice old man who was holding the person's hand. Not at it all. It doesn't sound, it sounds a little more mischievous than that. Definitely. All right. I saw something escape out my bathroom window. Oh, okay. This happened, this happened about 10 years when I was in middle school. 10 years ago when I was in middle school. I was living in my mom's apartment at the time. I was getting ready for school and my da- and I had my dad's dog with me. The the only other person in the apartment at the time was my grandmother. Her bedroom was upstairs and my bedroom was downstairs. As I was getting ready in my bedroom, I noticed my dog was staring intently at the hallway. I touched her to get her attention, but she wouldn't budge and kept the focus on the hallway. I don't remember her growling or barking. I brushed it off and continued getting ready in the bathroom down the hall. I heard the toilet handle jiggle, thought it was weird, but ignored it. Then, as I'm applying makeup using the mirror, I noticed the bathroom door behind me swing slowly a little. I thought my dog walked in and pushed it. I looked down and saw she wasn't in there with me. I'm creeped out, but tried to be logical about it. I'm back in my bedroom when I hear my grandma come downstairs in the living room. I know her routine. Walls are thin and stairs creak loudly. 
She goes into the kitchen to clean dishes and make breakfast. I start to relax, but then think about how no one else was downstairs when my dog kept staring at the hallway. I leave with the do- with I leave with my dog to go to my dad's apartment, which is located behind my mom's place. He lives upstairs and has a clear view of the patio in my bathroom window. I make toast and sit on my dad's patio and happen to look at my bathroom window when I saw this thick white mist escape through my bathroom window to outside. It didn't spread out evenly as it left, but rather shot straight up and vanished. It couldn't have been my grandma taking a shower because she doesn't use that bathroom, so it wasn't steam. It's something that I still think about to this day and wonder if something was actually there. That's a weird story. Yeah, and, like, we hear a lot about... I thought it was interesting um, when I was just skimming it because I saw the white mist, which you don't really hear about a lot. You hear about, like, dark shadows, a dark mist, something misty in a human form, but you never hear about just, like, a puff of white, almost smoke, really. That's, that's like, um... It's weird because you you can't easily explain that, oh, like, I saw a ghost because it didn't take a human form. But it's definitely abnormal activity because that doesn't normally happen. Like, unless it was actually smoke yeah, and, or and something, why would there be white mist? Exactly. And and the door creaking open, like, I mean, doors creak open, like, slowly, whatever. But this author seems pretty, like, able to, like, debunk things. Like, well, it wasn't my grandma taking a shower. It wasn't this. It wasn't that. Yeah. Right? And the dog staring in the hallway. Just a weird morning, I think. Yeah. Like, things just were not adding up whatsoever. Yeah. Okay. Um, let's see. Which one am I going to do next? I'll do this one. Okay. Um, my grandfather died shortly after I was born. He might have held me when I was a baby. My family always talked good about my grandfather. Just a great guy to be around, apparently. When I was around four or five years old, I saw him in the middle of the night for the first and last time. I recall that I was usually scared at night back when I was young and spent a lot of time awake during nights. I experienced a lot of visual snow during these late hours laying around with my eyes open. So I was thinking, like, visual snow, what the hell is that? So I looked that up, too. And visual snow Mm -hmm. is also known as visual static, and it's a condition in which people see white or black dots in parts of their whole as visual fields. And it's so creepy because I've experienced this all my life. And oh, like when really? at night, and I just thought it was like, like it looks like if you're in pitch blackness, like at night in your bed, it just looks like you're looking at the atoms that make up everything in your room. I know exactly what you're talking about. Yep, yep. So There's a name for it. Yeah, it's called visual snow or visual static. So it, it kind of has like white or black little spots. Um, I think it yeah, looks more yeah, like yeah. static, in my opinion, like on an old TV. Yeah, but um, the the cause of visual snow is unclear. Those affected typically also have migraines. I don't. Yeah, no, yeah, 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 yeah. I don't really have migraines all the time, but um, the underlying mechanism is to believe to involve excessive excitability of neurons in the right lingual gyrus and left cerebr- cerebellar anterior lobe of the brain. Um, yeah, but there's no yeah there's no medical condition or like. They don't, like, there's not really an explanation of why this happens to people. I thought it was just a commonality when it was super dark out and you were just seeing, like, different colors. But yeah, I guess it's I like a... Yeah, I think that was just kind of a thing. Yeah, so, happens. sorry. Um, but, yeah, that's what visual snow is. We learn something new every day. Um, 
So she, he or she experienced these visual snow things during late hours, laying with my eyes open. In that night, I was sleeping beside my grandmother in her house in the same room where she and, her, she and grandfather used to sleep. My eyes wide open, staring at the ceiling, until I heard a sound of old hinges and old wood. I looked around and saw a big wardrobe door slowly opening. It wasn't scary. It actually felt calm and natural. Shaped by the visual snow, I clearly saw an adult person in yellow runner clothes running out of the wardrobe in slow motion. The scene was over in a couple of seconds. I'm surprised now when I write this down for the first time that I can't remember being scared at all. It didn't even end in a sleepless night. I might have had some rust after it. The next morning, the big heavy door of the wardrobe was still open. It was winter and all the windows were closed. I remember this because it was always very cold in that old house. The next morning, I explained in detail what happened to my grandmother she didn't seem surprised at all or reacted emotionally in any way. It seems odd now, but all she said was, your grandfather was a runner. I've accepted her answer and moved on without asking any further questions, which seems odd too. Sometimes I enjoy people with a thirst for details when they tell me a story. Maybe I was just happy that I saw him this one time. It felt real and not eerie at all. I'm not sure if it was a child's fantasy combined with visual snow. I didn't know he was a runner though. Could I have seen... A picture of him somewhere before that subconsciously in runner clothes? Maybe. What do you guys think? Oh, wow. But, like, that's so, and, like, that's why I kind of slowed down when I read this because when she was saying that during the visual snow effect, she was starting to see kind of movement or was seeing someone in yellow clothing running out of the wardrobe. It mm-hmm. brought me back to when I used to sleep in my parents' room. It would just be my mom and I. And I remember this was, like, the same room where I would see, like, the doll moving in the middle of the night, like, the ballerina doll on top of the dresser. I would swear that I would see things moving in the form of, like, from the static. I would see shapes and, like, I would see things moving around the room being formed by the static. And I was never necessarily freaked out. I just didn't understand it. And I just thought it was Mm -hmm. normal. But now that this person's saying that, like, things were, like, manifesting from the static... I don't know. I mean, it could have been yeah. it could have been imagination, but it's just weird. I had that experience too, and I never thought about it until literally reading this right now out lo- out loud. So it's crazy how stuff can come back to you like that, right? Because a lot you of know? times, like this, didn't seem weird to me, so I never thought of it as paranormal. I just thought it was just my eyes playing tricks, or like it was the middle of the night, or you know, I was young enough. I didn't know. I couldn't decipher what was right and what was wrong. So. I don't know. That that was a, I'm very interested in that and I want to look into that visual snow more cuz yeah. I did not realize that was like a paranormal thing. Fascinating. All right. I think is this my last one? No, we have two more. Two more? Okay. So this one is called Mom, what's that? This sounds like the title of a scary story to tell in the dark story. <laughs> yeah. Okay. You know how in a lot of paranormal movies they use kids? Prime example is when the kid gets scared, so mommy and daddy go into the room, check under the bed and in the closet, and reassure the child there's nothing there, and then the child proceeds to point behind them like, no, it's behind you. <laughs> it's more terrifying outside of a movie. Oh, God. It was around midnight. I had all the kids in bed. The boys were downstairs. My oldest and youngest daughter were upstairs. I was in my room across the hall when I heard a blood-curdling scream coming from their room. 
I jump up, haul ass to their room, nearly breaking through the door in the process. My oldest daughter was sitting straight up in bed, but in the very corner with the blanket pulled up over half her face. I asked her what was wrong, and through sobs, I managed to hear, He's back, Mama. I know who it was, but I wasn't going to tell her that. I flipped on the light, which I should have done to begin with. She, I did the standard check under the bed in the closet and reassert and sh- Sorry. <laughs> I'm talking so fast today. I did the standard check under the bed in the closet and reassured her that nothing was there was in there. I shut back off the light and she screams, mama. I, I went back over to her and told her nothing was in there. And she goes, yes, it is. He's behind you. Oh gosh. Okay. My heart, I have goosebumps right now. <laughs> my heart sank and I got a huge knot in my stomach. I, I slowly turned around and sure as shit, there was a huge mass standing directly behind me, towering over me. No. I couldn't even make a sound. I grabbed my girls and hauled ass and someone, like someone lit a fire under me. I got them into my room, literally threw the girls onto my bed, my bad, and ran back to the door and slammed it shut. I had no idea why I thought a door would keep this bastard out when it's dead, but logical thinking wasn't part of my night, obviously. I got onto the bed with them, and all of a sudden I heard a tap, tap, tap on my door. I told it to go the fuck away. Tap, tap, tap. All night long. I didn't open that door until the sun was until the sun was shining through my windows. That is, and that's where the story ends. That is insane because usually it's just like the parents just like, oh, there's nothing, and look, there's literally nothing there. Yeah, this person actually saw it. What do you? How do you prepare your child? Like, do you just? Is that the first time you say, oh, fuck, in front of your child? Like, what do you do? <laughs> like, like you just look. Oh my god! And you have to be the mature one. You have to be prepared. This is yeah. this is why parenthood scares me because what if I. I land into the situation. My my kid goes, it goes, mommy. There's something behind you. I look. There's something behind me. That kid's getting left and in you that have to room. Be the adult in that. That kid's getting left in the room. I'm sorry. I can <laughs> have another kid. Peace. <laughs> it was nice knowing you, sport. Um. Oh God. <laughs> I can't. Uh, uh, okay. So, um, this one I literally just read the title of it. And I did not even skim this one because I was so intrigued by the title. And this is something that I always wish to come across in regards to paranormal experiences. So hopefully in the future we find more of these certain topic paranormal experiences. And this is German Nazi concentration camps. So this is an experience from one of the concentration camps in Germany, Austria, that, yeah, that area. So... Uh, This person writes, I had a school trip to the concentration camps in Germany and in Austria. I remember arriving at the first camp in our our itinerary, Dachau, I think it's called. Not sure. D-A-C-H-A-U. When we got off the bus, they told us to get the banners, flags, and flowers to put at the front as a memorial. I got the peace flag. It was a rainbow flag with a big peace sign on it. Very cute. When we were in the front of the gate, I remember feeling incredibly overwhelmed and being in being stared at it was a creepy feeling but i didn't mind it as we walked through the gate the first thing i saw was the window of the on the barrack i had in front of me i saw a bald beaten up man in the prisoner's blue and white uniform we stared at each other for at least five seconds and he looked at the flag i was holding i blinked and the man wasn't there anymore 
I didn't really mind it because I believe in the supernatural and I expected that to happen. The tour guide afterwards gave us a device to put in our ear for us to hear him better. As he was speaking, telling us about his father's experience, his father was a child of an ex-prisoner there, my ear device started having problems. I started hearing only static sounds, so I decided to remove it, but before I was able to do so, I heard a man's voice saying words I couldn't understand, and the aura of his voice was so creepy and so angry. I was so shocked and creeped out because he seemed angry at me. I removed my earpiece quickly and moved on with the others. I'm the only foreigner in our class, so the explanation I give to myself for the earpiece thingy was that the man was an SS, and he was angry at me for being there. So I'm sorry if this wasn't explained well, but that was my experience at the German Nazi concentration camps. Wow. Mm-hmm. So then someone... So then, of course, I look at the comments again, and someone goes, an interesting bit of history. The German Panzer IV Division had a symbol painted on the side of many of their tanks, which was, in, which was an inverted peace symbol. I wonder if you bringing the symbol of peace, that, uh, the symbol that lost spirits recognized made you a target. Ooh, juicy. I like it. Yeah. Um, and then, let's see. Um, when, and then someone goes, when me and my friend went to Dachau last summer, we both agreed that people there didn't behave respectively and the atmosphere was weird. And I have absolutely no explanation as to why it was so weird. We've been to Auschwitz before, so we can compare those places, and they were strangely and severely different. Couldn't put my finger on why exactly were they so, were they so unlike each other despite bearing the same history. It was like calm before the storm. The sun was shining, birds were singing, families were behaving like they were on a walk in the park while it all had such an ominous feeling. It was like we were the only ones realizing at that very moment what happened here, chosen ones, understanding the seriousness of the situation detached from everyone else involved. And I know it sounds silly, but that's just what I felt and what I remember. It was like you knew something more and maybe wasn't exactly supposed to know it. Ooh. Yeah, which is so true because I feel like this like, is a good one. Yeah, um, I just, I you know, I, it's, it's interesting too that that makes sense, and I feel like if I ever went to a place like that, I would experience something like that because you and I are very in touch, like paranormal wise, like we're very respectful because we research and like we understand that there's another side. Yeah, and that you know clearly yeah. this environment has very disturbed history, and to think that there would be. N- no energy left from what happened X amount of years ago is ignorant. I mean, like, there's just so yeah. much dark history that that just doesn't vanish overnight. Exactly. It doesn't just go away. And I think that people who are more susceptible to it obviously are going to see more. And I think that the experiences are more calm the more accepting you are of it, if that makes sense. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, and I think like the more you expect it and are aware of it and are respectful to it, the more chill the experience should be. If you're either not thinking or, you know, not like, you know, shun the non-believer, but like if you, you know, are kind of doubting it, that's when, you know, a a spirit or a shadow person or whatever will kind of use more energy and more aggression to try to kind of get you to believe. Yeah, but this is interesting too because I feel like in in this situation too, especially in regards to the concentration camps, Mm-hmm. You see people going there and, you know, obviously people go there to learn a little bit more, to actually see what happened all that time ago and how fucked up and like the living conditions and just like to say that they were there. 
But I feel like yeah. people go there for the wrong reasons. And like you, there's articles. I think there's an, a BuzzFeed article where it was like inappropriate selfies in traumatic places. And it's like a lot of pictures from the concentration camps where people are like smiling in front of the barracks. And it's like, yeah, it's not like that they're playing sm- with Snapchat filters. Yeah. And it's not that they're smiling being there. It's like they're smiling like just to be a part of the picture. I just feel like that's not an appropriate place to take a picture in front of. Like to take pictures of the place is one thing, but to involve yourself in it and like make it like a lighthearted, like tourist spot it's yeah, not a it's not Times Square. It's fucking Auschwitz. Exactly. <laughs> it's not Times Square. It's Auschwitz. If we had other titles for our episodes, that would be the title. <laughs> if this wasn't the quarantine spooky story special, I would put it's not Times Square. It's Auschwitz. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so that, I thought that was an interesting title. I didn't even read the story, but I'm happy with the, the story that came along with that. Yeah. All right, what's your last story, Lil? All right, my last story is called Three Beeps, Three Knocks. Uh-oh. And this one is short, too. All my stories have been short lately. I don't understand. Okay. So I was laying in bed, already feeling off and anxious, and had to, and had to take my meds. I only take when it gets to that point, really. But anyways, I was facing the wall, just got comfy, turned off my PlayStation and TV about 20 minutes prior, and I hear two loud beeps. Not like a fire alarm that's dying or anything I've heard before, really. It felt like I couldn't pinpoint where it was coming from. I froze because I got—I was already anxious and it caught me off guard. I looked around and figured it was just my PlayStation updating or something, I guess. A while later, I hear one beep that's louder and a little longer, and I shot up, unplugged anything that could make a noise like that, and got back in bed and told myself I was too paranoid and just and, and to sleep. I don't know what time it was. I was. I thought I was still dreaming, but I tossed and turned all night, and as soon as I got comfortable again and started to doze, I heard three loud knocks on my bedroom door. Oh, God. I have the whole upstairs of the house. My roommates have the bottom floor. They never really come up here unless it's for the storage room we split, so I figured someone was just grabbing something and couldn't sleep or whatever. I turned my, on my lights and opened the door, expecting one of my roommates, but it was still dark. All the lights in the house were still off. And nobody was in the hall. The doors were all closed, and all I could hear was the washer downstairs. I checked the rooms up here, opened the door to downstairs, and nothing was there. I don't know what I got myself. How I don't know how I got myself to sleep after that, but I did. I've lost three set friends since early March, and the anniversaries of two others also passed in this time. I know about the bad omen of three knocks meaning death in the family. I just don't know what to believe or do. So, I have actually never heard of three knocks meaning a death in the family. So that's something new. Yeah, I never heard. Um, But yeah, I'm thinking it might have been one of the friends that um, here he lost. Yeah, I I think it's kind of kind of sweet. I just I know that three. Well, I know sometimes like the mocking the like the Holy Trinity like threes. Yeah, like it's just like. I know that that can kind of be a negative connotation. Um, but, I mean, I, I don't know. With this situation, I feel like it could go either way. Yeah. Especially because it was, um, like, two knocks. They were kind of spaced out. It was two knocks at once, or two beeps at once, and then one, like, louder beep. Yeah. And then it was the three knocks. So whatever is here is definitely intelligent. Definitely. Definitely. 
I don't know what to make of that. So I think it's more than a residual haunting. That, but it, I, that definitely is creepy, though. Like, the three knocks means someone you know is going to die. Because then, like, you're living, like, the rest of your... Like, if you know that, you're living the rest of your life paranoid. Like, oh, who's going to be the next to die? Like, is this happening soon? What, like, yeah. It just puts you on edge, so... Yeah. Um, okay. My last story is titled, The Demon Named Mister. Literally just the name Mister. So here's something Ooh. I don't like talking about, but I feel as if it needs to be said. Ever since the age of four, I would have this reoccurring nightmare that would happen four to about seven. It was exactly the same dream I'd have nightly, like clockwork. I'd close my eyes to wake up in my bedroom. Keep in mind, I'd share this room with my father at the time, so I should have felt safe because even in the dream, my dad would be in his bed where he would always be before I fell asleep. The weird thing was every time the room would be lit up, an ominous red color, it always made me nervous, and I always felt like something was bound to attack me, even at that young of an age. And I never saw anything. The only thing that helped was knowing my dad was there. But here's the thing about that in particular. Sometimes I'd wake up in the dream and my dad would be asleep. Sometimes he'd be awake, and for some reason, every time I woke up in the bed, I would always get off the bed, go straight to the closet right across from my bed, and open it to see if there was anything inside. I would then close the door and walk backwards to my bed, but I was always too scared to look behind me to see if anything was there. Then the night of my eighth birthday, I had a friend named Austin come over and spend the night, and we did typical kid things, play with toys, watch 90s typical TV shows, until we fell asleep. Now, this is where it gets real crazy, so bear with me. I wake up to have that same dream, but this time the atmosphere in the room felt totally different, like I said earlier. The only thing that made me feel safe during those dreams was the fact that my dad was inside the dreams, whether awake or asleep, that always had given me an inch of hope. But this time, before we had fallen asleep that night, my dad had passed out on the couch in the living room. So the dream does the usual thing. I wake up, I go, I check the closet to see if something's there. The moment my hand touches the handle of the door, I knew something was off as I opened it. I saw a kid that looked just like me, but his eyes were gouged out, looking me directly in the eyes. I remember screaming at the top of my lungs. My dad came down to check what was wrong. Meanwhile, my friend was still fast asleep, and I don't know why, even to this day, I knew that meant something. So anyway, my dad comes to check in on me, and he said something like, Okay, pal, I heard you scream. The moment my father called me pal, my heart stopped. The reason I say that is because for as long as I've lived, which wasn't that long, as I said, I was only eight, <laughs> I've known my father had only called me by one name, Booger. At this point, I was scared as hell, and I don't know what caused me to say it, but I looked him right in the face and said, you're not my dad. Then the whole room looked as if it was spinning and falling apart. Think of it like all it was all slowly decaying in front of my eyes. And he grabbed me, pulled me close, embraced me in what felt like a spine-crushing hug, started laughing like a mixture of Freddy Krueger laugh slash a small child put his lips straight against my ear, giving off a stench. I can only describe what I think of a mixture of burning flesh trash and diarrhea would be. Like he puts his lips Ew. to my ear till his tongue's practically inside and says, oh, smart boy, eh? What gave me, what gave me away? Continues to laugh after saying this. My eyes go wide. I try to scream as loud as I can, but nothing wants to come out. Then these long fingernails come out of this imposter of my father's hands to cut a slit from the top of his skull 
all the way down past his crotch area and step out of my dad as if he were wearing him like a coat. The minute he steps out, those nails grow even longer and he stabs me right through the shoulder above my heart. At this point, I really do wake up and I scream at the top of my lungs for my dad to come into the room. My dad actually shows up. My friend wakes, us, wakes up both worried about me, wondering what's going on. I tell them about the dream, but here's the kicker. Once I get done, my dad notices the back of my shirt is ripped. We look at my back. We look at my back and find four solid slice marks as if I got caught by four blades at once. I still have the scar to this day in those dream and in those dreams went on all the way up until the age of 18 when oh, they shit. suddenly stopped. But still to this day, every time I look in the mirror and look at my back, it takes me back to those dreams and many more like that. That got even more extreme, which gave me the idea of actually giving this thing a name because I never really could think of an actual name to give him. So I would only ever call him Mr. Uh, I would only ever call him Mr. P.S. Forgot to mention what his actual demon form looked like when he wasn't portraying somebody. I knew best description I can possibly give is thinking of Tobin Bell from the Saw movies, but with a bald head, pure black eyes, long fingernails, not blades, not claw fingernails, and was extremely anorexic. Ugh, just shaking thinking about it. Oh, gosh, that's terrifying. Uh, and the fact that his shirt was ripped after, too. That's the kicker. Is that, yeah, this could have been a really <laughs> fucked up dream. <laughs> Like, this could have easily just been a really fucked up dream. Maybe he watched a scary movie a couple nights before and, like, things like that. But, yeah. like, this is a reoccurring dream. He, I mean, just everything. And then the fact that he woke up with those with those marks that he still has a scar from. Yeah. I don't think there's anything in a kid's room that would allow someone to get four blade scratches on their back. No, and if there was, it would have happened sooner. Mm-hmm. So, Yeah. That is how we're going to conclude today's episode of Just Glilly Things, the Quarantine Spooky Story Special, episode 27. And uh, do you have anything to add before we get right to the socials? Um, we have stickers. We if do. Want, if you would like a sticker, Rebecca, take it away. Okay. So if you want a sticker, um, which Lily was awesome and made a bunch of stickers for us when we first started the podcast, um, what you could do is if you listen to us on Apple Podcasts, rate us five stars and give us an awesome review, screenshot it and DM it to us on Instagram at Just Things Podcast. Or if you don't have social media, you can just email us at Just Things Podcast at gmail.com. Um, let us let us let, I want to see the five star review, the actual review itself, and then send us your shipping address and we'll send you over a couple of stickers to thank you so much for your support um the reason why we care so much about these rates and reviews is the higher the more we get of rates and reviews the higher up the charts we get on apple Podcasts. now i don't know if it's because i constantly search our name but when i go to apple podcast and i go to the search bar i put in jest and then i put in j uh, g j g um it's get fit with Nikki. It's just get fit with Nikki is the first search for just G. And then the second one is just ghoulie things. So like, it seems like we're being highly searched. It could also be because I, I search us up like a billion times a day, 
But if it show, <laughs> if we show up as your second result too, let's get it to when you just look up the letter J, we just pop up right away. That's a good yeah. goal. We'll be like the top podcast on Apple. But so if you don't listen to us on Apple Podcasts, that's fine. If you listen to us on Google Play, SoundCloud, Spotify, however you listen to us, you can still redeem a sticker by just screenshotting one of your favorite episodes. You can even screenshot our last episode. Whatever you want, post on your social media, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, whatever you use to, you know, talk to people. Um, just screenshot our episode and post about it. Tag us on Instagram at just Cooley Things Podcast. And um, send us your address, and we will ship out a, um, a sticker to you as well. And that also applies to people that listen through Apple Podcasts. Um, leave us a review and screenshot and post a picture to your social media. Every little shout-out counts. Like, it really makes such a difference. You don't understand. It really does. I would rather you guys shout us out all day than getting any sort of donations or anything because yeah. your support means everything to us. Um, so much more than monetary value. So, um, yeah, that concludes that. Um, oh, we also have to remind our two winners to send us their shipping address so we can get James to send out those books and those stickers. And I have to send James those, James our stickers as well. That just reminded me. So, uh, James, if you're listening, I'm going to ask for your address in a little bit so you could, uh, so I could send you those stickers so we could send them out to our listeners. And, um... I think that's it, right? Yeah, let's go through the socials one more time. One more time. All right, Instagram. Just Cooley Things Podcast. Our personal Instagrams, at Rebecca Ruber and... At Lily Baldessari. Twitter. JGT Podcast. Facebook like page. Just Cooley Things Podcast. Facebook private group. Just Cooley Things Podcast group. And, I mean, we totally are not denying Patreon donations at... <laughs> we have some good content at Just Glue Things Podcast. And if you or someone you know has a paranormal experience that they like to share on our show, please email us at Just Glue Things Podcast <laughs> at gmail.com. Was it that delayed? That was so delayed. Okay. <laughs> yeah. All right, Boo Things. Thank you so much for listening, and we will talk to Boo tomorrow. I don't know. You've been freezing the whole episode. Oh. <laughs> All right. On that note, goodbye.